Welcome to Communion House Podcast with Pastor Moses Anderson, a ministry raised by God for the rebirth of the early church, with a strong commitment to seeing others rise and shine as in those days. Get ready for this timely teaching and encouraging word. I think I did it. Good morning, everybody. God is good. I'm... I'm I'm going to attempt to do something today that I wouldn't do ordinarily in the past, but I think I've grown. I think I've come of age, and it's not by the gray hair, but it's just that I know that I have grown. Yesterday, I had an encounter, and in the past, if I had such an encounter, I wouldn't attempt for weeks to share it with anybody because I would still be so emotional. Because you've, you've, we've read in scripture about various encounters that people had with God and you, you read about the prophets like Daniel who would have an encounter with an angel of God or have an experience on, of heaven and they'll be sick for days just because they're frail. Human being or nature cannot accommodate the things of heaven. And I've been in that situation. I've been in situations wherein I would go for weeks just being extremely lethargic just because of the fact that strength was drawn out of me just by the things that I have seen or that I may have seen at different times. But yesterday what I saw was so um, refreshing and at the same time emotional. I mean, I, I cried pretty much just for a couple of hours, just and every time I attempted to do anything, it just didn't happen. I would just weep very freely. And that's why I'm saying I can attempt to do it today because I don't think there's any more tears left in me, at least for this, for today. I was sitting down. My wife had just fed me before leaving the house because she likes to do that so I don't call her every 30 minutes. Because sometimes I can be a baby. And that's why she calls me her baby. And so I sat there and I was, I mean, I had a good meal. I enjoyed myself and I was going to get up and continue what I was doing, continue my day. And then something happened. I knew that I was not alone. It was a brief moment. And in that very moment, I saw several of y'all. I saw my brothers and sisters. I saw a representation of the body of Christ. I saw what was going on in the world. It's one of those things that, you know, you've heard, you've heard the term burst vision wherein it's just like bursting forth in a moment and you see it a myriad of things and when i saw i had a combination of all kinds of experiences in that moment emotions and i knew that it wasn't just what i was feeling i knew that i was feeling what several people were feeling and the lord jesus appeared to me and he said to me he said to me whatever happens from here on don't stop And that was it. Now, let me tell you the part that I skipped. Remember last week I told you that you need to live prepared. That you need to keep practicing having conversations with God because you just never know when he will visit you. God is with us always. We have that, the omnipresence of God all the time. God is inside of us. Those of us who are born again believers. 
If you're a born-again Christian, I don't know if God is inside of you. Like my wife said, some people have kicked God out of their hearts. But then if you are a believer, because we know now that there are several kinds of born-again people. There are people that are ceremonially born again, culturally born again. Because in the, in the United States today and in several places in the world, almost everybody you meet is born again. But Jesus says, many will come in my name. Don't be fooled. He says, by their fruits, we shall know them. Are you bearing fruits that are worthy of repentance? If yes, you are a believer. If no, you just happen to be one of those guys with a t-shirt that says, I'm saved. <laughs> right? So money is spent, but maybe not well spent. So as a born again believer, God is on the inside of you. And we see that is what we enjoy as New Testament believers. That we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in the person of the Holy Spirit that has been sent to us. But for no reason or none of that is reason enough for us to discount the visitation of God. So we have what? God inhabiting us. So we have the inhabitation or the habitation. But we should never forget that there is still a place for a visitation. Because when I say that the Lord Jesus came to me, someone may be thinking, but he's supposed to be in you. So what are you talking about? Are you just trying to sound fancy? There is still a place for a visitation. And I can tell you for a fact, I don't get that all the time. And I don't even think I want it all the time. Because the more visitation you get like that, the less useful you can be to yourself or anybody else. I've lived through a season of multiple encounters. And when you ask the people around me, those were seasons wherein I was literally invisible and almost useless. Simply because you could be talking to me about just about anything and I'll be crying. I, could, I mean, after a while, I stopped attending lectures because I heard nothing they said in those lecture rooms just because of the things that I was hearing. But I say that, and this morning, the Lord said to me, he said, I want you to remind your brothers and sisters that it is possible for someone to have an encounter like yours to enjoy proximity with the Holy Spirit and still be suicidal. And it's not a coincidence that I'm saying that because this is September and I believe they say September is the National Suicide Month. In the past, whenever the world is saying that, I don't even mention it in my messages. I don't post about it. Because I'm not supposed to promote the agenda of the world. We're supposed to magnify the Lord, not the contrary forces that are trying to take us out. But one of the things that the Lord has cautioned me about recently, and it was while my wife and I were having a conversation, was this. He said, I was the one who told you. You know, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that do not answer a fool according to his folly or his folly, lest he think himself to be wise. And then in, the, in verse 6 or 5 of that same chapter, what does he say? He says, answer a fool according to his foolishness. You know, one of those things that you ask God and say, can you please make up your mind which one you want me to do? In this particular verse, you says, do not answer a fool according to his foolishness. And then you said, answer a fool according to his foolishness. And the Lord said to me, he broke it down to me because I asked. I was like, what is the meaning of that? He says, there are times wherein you just let a fool be a fool. But then there are times also wherein you have to say something so that they don't conclude that that which is their understanding, which is ignorance, is knowledge. 
So there are times when I don't get into that battle, you know. Someone wants to have an argument. I'm not going to get into that battle with you because the Bible says in the book of Job that by arguing we prove nothing. So I don't engage a fool or I don't engage anybody who denies God in, a, in an argument. You know, that is the definition of a fool. Because if you're thinking it's somebody that isn't smart, you will miss it. Because there are so many smart people, PhD holders, professors, CEOs of companies who are fools by heaven's standards because they do not acknowledge God. The Bible says a fool says in his heart that there is no God. So when someone is coming, with, coming at me or comes to me and looking for an argument, they're not going to get one because I'm not going to answer you according to your foolishness. But then if I see that you're about to walk away with a conclusion in your heart that what you're saying is right, then I will answer you. So on that note, the Lord said to me, I want you to say something about suicide today. Because you can't let the world continue to champion the conversation. The Bible says in the book of Job chapter 22 that when men come and say that there is a casting down, you say there is a lifting up. And so there's a lot of stuff that people have been saying around us, but we cannot continue. Now let me say this. There are people in public offices today, there are people that are very much known in the world. What you will, captains of industries, government officials, who are saying things that you do not agree with, but who are not saying it on their record. So let me just make that clarification. Okay, because there are certain people that are spewing out all kinds of blasphemies in the world today and you want to judge them because it, it annoys you what they're saying. But they are not men. Some of them are angels sent by God to bring about division upon the earth. And you're like, but why would God want to divide us? Because we're not all his. The wheat have to be separated from the tears. I've been saying this, but the Lord keeps prompting me to say it so that we do not fall into the bracket of the people who curse heavenly dignitaries unknowingly. The Bible says, be kind to strangers. For by so doing, some have entertained angels unwittingly. Who are strangers? People who are strange. And so when you watch the news, there's a lot of strange things going on in the world. And you just want to put everybody in the same category and demonize them all. No, some of them are on heavenly assignment, even though they're doing very terrible things. God has angels whose assignments are just purely terrible. There's an angel that is called the angel of death. Satan did not make the angel of death. There is an angel that is called the lying spirit. He was created to influence people to lie. There is a beast that I was talking about on Sunday, Sunday last week. That is called the beast from the bottomless pit or the beast from the abyss that God even empowered to shut down the ministry of the gospel. To shut down the witnesses. It's there in Revelation 11. And God made these people for a reason and for such a time as this. Because God says in the last days there will be perilous times. And if God allows the devil to take the reign in perilous times, we know what exactly the devil will do with it. It will hijack hijack the agenda of God. So even though there are terrible things going on in the world, guess who is still in charge and orchestrating all the terrible stuff? Your father. And you can't disown him. Someone says, I'm not convinced. Open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 4. 
the Bible says in the book of John chapter 1 verse 1 that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was in the beginning with God verse 3 says and by him all things were made and there was nothing that was made that was made without him the devil has not created anything but he can fabricate several things a fabrication is what occurs when you take elements of creation and manipulate their order, structure, so that you can twist or pervert their function. Okay? So you take existing elements of creation and you, you put them into a different configuration so that you can pervert their function. That is what fabrication is. And the devil is very good at that. He can fabricate stuff. And that is the reason why when the devil is lying to you, he uses scriptures to lie to you. Because if he doesn't have some substance, there's no way he can even engage you in the first place. Acts chapter 4. I want to read to us an account wherein Peter was quoting David. We could have read David's account straight up. But there is a reason why um, God inspired, the Holy Spirit inspired Peter to say it. Because then you can see Peter added or showed us a perspective of this prophecy of David. In Acts chapter 4, uh, the entire chapter is an interesting one because it's the one right after chapter 3. And I say that intentionally. Chapter 4 of Acts chapter 4, of the book of Acts, chapter 4, is right after chapter 3. And the reason why I'm saying that it is, is because when you read chapter 3 and you read chapter 4, they do not look alike. In fact, it is almost unbelievable that the events of chapter 4 followed the events of chapter 3. There are people who don't believe that these things happen in the same chronological order. Simply because they're like, how is it even possible that the men that were once known as fishermen, whose master was taken away, have now risen to become demigods. Because they had prayed for a man in chapter 3 by the gate called beautiful. And said to him, silver and gold we do not have, but what we have we give. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the man walked. No one's ever done that but the Lord Jesus Christ. And now that these men are operating in that capacity, would you not expect for there to at least be a moment or a season of being afraid of them? Or celebrating them? No. The next thing we see was a jump to persecution. And when I was yet wondering about that, the Holy Spirit showed me a couple of things. And I'm going to, let me just quickly tell you those things very quickly. He showed me the life of Moses, he showed me the life of Joseph, and he showed me my own life. And this is what the Lord said to me. He took me back to a time in the 90s, in the late 90s. I, I believe it was 99 in particular, going into 2000, that I wanted to commit suicide. I had... In fact, for some reason, I've, I, the picture of what I was doing or what I was to do that I had was that I was supposed to take off my clothes and then just hang myself in the middle of my room. And I got the rope and I got everything all situated and ready to go. But let me tell you something that was weird. That was about the same time that I started to have some deep insights into the mind of God. At that time, if you had seen my notes, I wrote pages upon pages on a daily basis of insight that God was giving me about insights from his word and about this world. 
He was instructing me about the future. I saw the future of technology, the future of the marketplace. I saw the future of politics. I saw the future of geography. I was seeing lots and lots of things, but then at the same time, I didn't want to continue living. And so the Lord reminded me recently, he said to me, the reason why is the same thing that happened to Joseph and to Moses. He said, I showed you the future. He said, but I wanted you to believe that it was a future by my hand, not by man. And that was the reason why, even though I saw that future very clearly, I couldn't shake the misery of the presence at the time. And you know what that misery was about? The misery that I was going through was rooted in the fact that I just could not see a correlation between my present and the future. That future was very clear, but there was just no way I would get to that future from the present that I was in. And he says that is by design. He said that was what I did to Moses and Joseph. Look at Moses, for example, when he was braced in the palace of Pharaoh. God was beginning to show him the future of Israel, a nation that was free. If he had remained in the palace of Pharaoh, he may have taken it upon himself. In fact, he attempted to, to set the people free. He was going to kill the Egyptians one at a time. And as soon as he killed the first one, God was like, okay, get him out of there now. Now, before he hijacks my future for him. You see what I mean? God says, get him out of there. And they got him out of there and shook him. Because you know, the story that we have in the canonized scripture was that Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years and he married a beautiful lady and the father of the bride was very nice to him and taught him divination and all kinds of things. And that was it. But when you look at the historical records of what happened to Moses after he left, do you know that not only was a fugitive, he became a fugitive, he became a hired assassin. Do you know that Moses was one of the people who fought in the wars of Nineveh? I think I thought about this before one time, did I not? Anyway, let me tell you something. God doesn't just get up one day and say that he wants to save the people. He has to have a vested interest. When God took Jonah to get up, to go and minister to the people of Nineveh, it was because there was an equity, a kingdom equity in Nineveh that God wanted to redeem. And Moses was part of the writing of that story. Lots of injustice was done to this man because he was under the hand of God. God took him out and God was responsible for him, but people treated him wrong. And God was like, okay, we need to fix that. So a lost victory was restored by the gospel. Let me tell you something, there is a lot of victory that we have lost, that we are missing out on, that only the gospel can restore. And the restoration and the redemption of Nineveh was such. But in any case, when you look at what happened to Moses, he became a hired gun, he became a fugitive. People were looking for him. He, he enlisted in an army that took him in. He fought for them. He rose to the rank of a general, but he was shortchanged. He was driven out of there again. All of that was under the hand of God. Imagine what Moses would, would tell God when he prayed. Would he not say to himself, God, this is your vision of the future. Are you still holding on to it? Because I'm not. The only way that could have happened. And when he left, the lives of his brethren became more difficult. Such a disjoint. Who else experienced that? Joseph. Joseph saw the future. That his brothers will bow to him. That even his parents will worship, will bow before him. And he was like, wow, this is, this is good stuff. And guess what? His father gave him a coat, a coat of many colors. Now, let me say this. 
it is not just you at times that wants to hijack the future that God is showing you and take the reins from God to go make it happen on your own. Some of the people that you tell also want to help you make it happen. And God is like, I didn't send them. This is still a future that will happen by my hands. And so Jacob was going to make Joseph the head by all means. And that was why when his brothers were working in the field, he was at home. He wasn't lame. And he wasn't too young to work either because he was about the age of 17. And back in the days, once you could stand up straight, you were going to work. But this dude was at home and he was robed in a coat of many colors. Now, many of, us don't, many, of, many of us may not have looked into the significance of the coat of many colors. Back in the day, it was so difficult to actually make clothing because they didn't have machines. So everything was hand woven and almost everybody wore the same color because it was expensive to make dye because dye came from fruits and some people did not even have fruits to eat. Talk less of now using the fruits to make dye. You see what I mean? So to have gone to the extent of spending that kind of money in getting him a coat of many colors, the father was making a statement. He was crowning his son a prince before the time. And God was like, get him out of there. That was why they put him in the pit. You see, a lot of what you and I go through, even though God has met with us, is because of the fact that God has met with us. We go through those things because he doesn't want you to be full of yourself. He doesn't want you to take charge on your own. Acts chapter 3, for the longest, was celebrated without us even questioning some of the things that were said. Peter was like, silver and gold, we do not have, but what we have, we give. Do you know that that was the last time he said that? After that time, the life of Peter, what he would say is what I have received, I give. Because of the fact that for a moment he thought he had it. He was like, oh, I got this. I got this. Let's watch. You, you've never walked, right? Everybody, Instagram live, do a story right now. Hey, dude, now get out. He did it in the name of Jesus, fine. But he tried to take ownership of that. Don't forget that Peter was part of the first church. You know there are seven churches. My wife read to us about the seventh church, the church of Laodicea, which is the church that you and I are a part of, the church of the seventh day. And that's why there are seven churches, because there are seven millennials, seven millennia, and we are part of the seventh day. We were the ones that Enoch wrote to specifically. Enoch wrote a lot of things, but when Jude was quoting the prophecies of, the, of Enoch, in Jude chapter 1, he says, this Enoch that I am talking about is the seventh from Adam. So that people are not mistaken that it's some other kind of Enoch. You know, because people are like, oh, you can't read that book because it must have been written by some demonic person or magician or sorcerer. No, he said, this one is the seventh from Adam. The seventh from Adam wrote about the seventh from God. Because we are the seventh generation from that creation, the seventh millennia. And that was why he wrote to us that we are the generation that will receive and experience the appearing of the Lord Jesus. Enoch prophesied about the Lord Jesus. Enoch was the seventh man from Adam. And he prophesied about Jesus. So that is the reason why you and I, we need to just be at peace. 
Because everything that is happening was already written by our Heavenly Father. The only part that you have to play is choose which of the roles in his movie that you are going to play. Because people are like, well, if God has written everything, I don't have to worry myself. I don't even have to try. Whatever I do is going to go the way. Yes, whatever you do as a person, this world will still go the way that God has said it will go. And right now, we know that the world system is going to hell in a handbasket. Right? So that is the way it's going to go. It is going to perish. Okay? In case you're not convinced, let me tell you a quick story. You see that man, Joseph, when he was in prison. In case you don't know the story of Joseph, I want to encourage you. There's a book called the Bible. You need to be reading more of it. Okay? So this Joseph guy, as part of his training, when we were children, there's a guy who came to our church. He says the pit that he was thrown in is an acronym for a prophet in training. And we were so afraid because some of us wanted to be prophets. We were like secretly desirous of the office of a prophet. I'm like, man, we're going to be thrown in pits. Is anyone looking for pastors or evangelists? Because I don't know about this prophet business anymore. Okay, no, I was so afraid. I was so afraid. Another man came from the United States. His name was Apostle Joe Sims. And they came to our church and they said that this pastor here, who is the lead pastor, he said, come up. And the man came up. He said, God is raising another man very much like you here. He says, this man will imbibe your heart your ministry he says the man is here he said but he's only but a teenager and god is raising him a prophet when he was describing all of that i thought that that might be me because i really loved this pastor and i was already seeing myself like him a lot you see what i mean you see me do this rubbing my belly that was him okay my my own earthly father doesn't do this this is pretty ridiculous my wife tells me almost after every service that why stop doing this i'm like it's too late I was raised by Apostle George. He does this. You see what I mean? And so I was secretly like, and he, and he, and he drove a Mercedes. And I, and I loved his car. And I'm like, one day I just want to be like that guy and have a Mercedes. I kid you not, true story. My very first car was the same car that that man had. And I wasn't even thinking about it. Because I didn't buy it. My father bought it. He was using it. And after a while, he didn't want it anymore. And he gave it to me. And so be careful what you wish for. Okay? But in any case, going back to the story... This man, as soon as he mentioned, God is raising this young teenage boy as a prophet. And I want to pray for him. I was like, well, you ruined it. I was going to come out. But I don't want to end in the pit. But this Joseph, while he was a prisoner in training, or a prophet in training and he was in prison, guess what happened to him? He encountered two people. One of them, two, both of them were serving Pharaoh. One of them was a baker and the other one was what? A butler right so the butler was the one who poured wine for the king the baker was the one who baked bread for the king which one of them lived and which one of them died the butler was killed i mean the butler lived but the baker was killed let me ask you please let's be let's be very modest and vulnerable at this point if we can how many of you have ever asked god why Were you happy with the answer that you got? Maybe one of these days we can share answers. I'm glad that there are people here who ask. When I asked God, what did God tell me? He told me, he says, I, I, I just did that so that y'all can know that this world is going down. That the earth is going to be done away with. I'm like, well, you, you may have to explain because I don't see the correlation between the earth and the baker. The baker does what? Bakes bread. 
the butler serves wine. So, I, I'm telling you, this is, when you know the way God has been speaking to us since forever, we have, that's why the Bible says that we are without excuse. Because he's made everything so plain, and yet we don't see it. It's like all the treasures of heaven are being hidden in plain sight. In fact, the Bible says that what God did was, he took all of eternity, saved it to a USB stick, and put it in the hearts of men. The Bible says all of eternity is in the hearts of men. You and I, we have the story of everything that's ever happened and everything that's ever happened. It's in our hearts somewhere. But thank God we can access it. I wish we can access it, Sister Jane. I'm just going to go to next week and see what the price of Bitcoin is and determine today if I buy it or not. We would have used it to our advantage. That's what I mean. But as we grow and mature, God gives us access to it. But in any case, in any case, come back to the story of the baker and the butler. The baker had to go down because he baked bread. Of all of the realms that God created, all of the heavens, the earth, Sheol, every dimension, every realm, depending on whose school you attend, maybe the seven realms or the nine realms, right? All of them, but one. So let me say this because I know there are conspiracy theorists amongst us. So let me help your destiny here a little bit. You know that NASA tells us that we have nine planets. But they're kind of like backing down now. Ultimately, before the Lord Jesus comes, if, that, if there's enough time, they're going to back it back down to seven. Simply because we've always known that there are seven realms, but some people say that there are nine realms. And so they try to depict each one of those realms as planets, whereas in fact they're not. They're wandering stars. That's what the Bible calls them. The realms are still the realms. They're different dimensions. You can't see them all at the same time unless you're the one who sits in the third heavens. And that is, re- well, let me not go into that because the moment you know what it means, the third heavens and the relationship to the picture that NASA is giving, then it's a whole world. So let's not be distracted. Let's come back here. But of all the realms, right, only one of them produces bread. And that is the earth. Job 28. In Job 28, God showed Job what the earth really was in the scheme of things. Now, you know, I was telling you about Job 28 the other day, I think about two weeks ago, wherein God showed Job the history of the earth and showed Job civilization. It went from mining to generating electricity to creating the microchip to making computers. And all of those things is in Job 28. If you've never really paid attention to Job 28, it's... it's, in fact it's like it's beyond a movie it's like it's more than a tv show when you read just that one chapter it has everything in there i was i gave you the example of hydroelectric power generation how we would dam the water from trickling and what is hidden will be brought to light and how we will place our finger upon the flint and bring light to be all of that was describing electricity it described the microchip how we're going to make channels in the rock that our eyes may behold precious things many people may not have thought about this but microprocessors that are in your phone and in computers they're made of dust so essentially we take the crust of the rocks and then we create channels into the millions and billions of channels so that our eyes can behold precious things i say all of that so that you know the authenticity of the revelation of job 
And the same Job went on to talk about the attempts that we make to leave the earth to go to other realms. He says, man will depart in shafts that go to and fro to places that have been forgotten by the feet. What are the places that go to and fro? The, or- the orbit. The orbit goes to and fro. It keeps coming back to where it was. And so it talks about all of the attempts that we're making to get out of this realm. Right? And while he was yet saying that, almost with the same breath, you know what Job said? He said, oh. He said, but as for the earth, he talked about the realms. There are realms that have been abandoned. There are forgotten worlds. A lot of these stories that we hear of places like Atlantis and the rest of them, these are forgotten worlds. And they have been forgotten by the feet. No feet sets foot. No one sets foot on those places again. Because God's written them off. They've been judged and they're over with. But he saw all of the many dimensions. He says, but as from the earth, from it comes bread. And the Lord said to me, that is the reason why the baker had to go down. Because the bread maker is going down. He said, but the one who pours the wine will be lifted up. If you are not pouring the wine, you're going down with the earth. If every day of your life, every decision that you make, every time that you spend is for what you can eat, God has made a promise to destroy. He says food for the belly, belly for the food. Originally, it it says bread for the stomach and stomach for the bread, but the Lord will destroy both of them by absorbing them into hell. Actually, when I say absorb, that's what it looks like, but what it really goes, what happens is hell is brought up to this level so uh, that is very let me let me say that because i think it's important for us to know that because i know that some of us have been studying and looking into how the the relationship between heaven and earth and then earth and hell right so this same platform that we're at is essentially where hell will come to and the reason why we need to know that is because hell is coming slowly it's creeping in and if you don't know you'll still be here when it comes and god forbid that anybody here today and that will listen afterwards fall for that deception hell is encroaching very fast and that is the reason why satan is creating a lot of pleasures and a lot of distraction in the world today so that people don't know how do i know this the bible says that the earth the foundations of the earth were laid such that they are not moved but heaven and earth i mean but hell below moves hell is what will come up here that's why you can't wait until a certain time before you make it right that is the reason why you can't say oh you know what i still see the way things are going on in the world there's going to be another jab and there's going to be uh, we're going to stop spending fiat we're all going to be spending some digital currency and so i'm just going to keep watching what's going on in the world but let me tell you something one thing that jesus said to us without mincing words in john chapter 21 verse 23 what did he say he said to, he said to uh, people, I think it's 1223, 1223 or 2123, one of those. You know what he said to people? He was talking about his return. And some people were kind of like trying to guess when it will be. What was his response? He says, you see this disciple. And he was talking about John the Beloved. He says, what if I say to you that he will not die until I return? What is it to you? Which is interesting because, you know, I told you last week or two weeks ago that of all the 13 apostles, John was the only one whose death remains controversial. We really can't tell if he died or when he died. 
Every other 12. The rest of them, including Matthias. Matthias, who came to take the place of Judas. Matthias was crucified also. Every single one of them died by, crucif by, by crucifixion or, or through some persecution. But John, people are like, well, we think he was 96 years old. Some people say, no, he was 92 years old. Some people say he was 94. And the thing is, Jesus says, what if I said to you that he will be here when I return? What is that to you? Now, the narrator of the epistle said, he didn't really say that he will be here. He just says, what if? In case I haven't read the footnote. But let me tell you this. Let's even forget about the fact that John is still here somewhere in the Mediterranean. You know, I told you one day, I said, I'll tell you something about John. Maybe I'm spilling the beans now. Let's even say that he's not there or he's there. Jesus says, what is that to you? The real sense that Jesus was communicating was this. Every single one of us should live our lives as though we are the last generation. As though we are the last generation. Every single one of us should live as though Jesus will come in our time. Simply because whether he comes in the blue sky or he comes in that beam of light, he's coming and he's coming with his reward. What is yours going to be? And if anyone's ever taken this warning seriously, it should be us. For crying out loud, it's 2021. The Jewish year, 5782. And on Tuesday, you heard me teach elaborately on that. Because I, I am one of those people who believe that this is the year of his appearing. How that is going to happen, I can't tell you. But one thing that I do know is that we're nearer now than when we first believed. Our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. For you who know that you're saved already, salvation is not just being saved from your sins. Your salvation includes being redeemed from this bakery that is going down. Okay? The baker went down. But the butler. So who is the butler? The butler was the one who served the king. He waited on the king. If you are not waiting on the Lord, and if you are not pouring out your heart, if you're not pouring out the wine of your spirit before the Lord in service, in worship, in gratitude, then you are not a true butler. So like I was saying, your every moment, your every time, your every resource cannot continue to be about money, what you will eat, what you will drink. Because the ones whose decisions are based solely around bread are going down. God set that up so that we can see the way that he makes his choices. No, the way that we should make our choices. Okay? The way that we should make our choices. Because what the devil is doing is a perversion of all of what I've just described to you. The devil is bringing all of humanity, this world system, to a place that I once shared with you that is called the plain of Shinar. Wherein you will be forced to choose. Right? For the benefit of those people who may not have heard the teaching, the full teaching is from Genesis chapter 10. Genesis chapter 10 verse 10 talks about the kingdom of Nimrod. And the Bible says, and so begins the kingdom of Nimrod, Babylon. And as a thing begins, it's the way it's going to end. Even God's own program. He says, as it was in the beginning, so shall it be in the end. And what was the end of Babylon? Babylon ended at Shinar. 
the plain of Shinar was where they built the tower of Babel and God came and stopped it he destroyed it he put an end to it and so every system of this world gets to Shinar and once you get to Shinar anticipate the end because heaven comes down like I told you the earth doesn't move hell can come up heaven can come down the earth stays the same so in Genesis 11 heaven came down and guess what's about to happen again heaven is about to come down again because Jesus is coming like Enoch said with thousands and thousands of his saints remember that I shared with you a vision that my brother saw and I think Alan saw something very similar to that even angels that have never been on earth are coming this particular visitation so what is that to you what this means to you and I is this when the Lord Jesus came to me yesterday and he said to me whatever happens from now don't stop it was because I asked him when I saw all of those things I said to him I said what do I do and that was when he said to me whatever happens don't stop let me tell you something you never know when he's gonna visit you and that's why you need to be ready at all times when he showed to me what was about to happen in the world and the mix of emotions that I got, I could have said, oh, uh, what must I do to be saved? Uh, well, uh, okay, now that I've seen, I know how to avoid this, whatever. I just need to go build myself a bunker somewhere or renovate the one that I have, you know? But let me tell you something. The first thing that came out of my mouth was what is my service to others? And he said to me, tell them what I just told you whatever happens don't stop don't stop believing because like I started by saying this is the month wherein the world is talking about suicide the Lord said to me even though I make you go through things I've said five things and I didn't forget what they are I'm gonna tell you all those five things very quickly to bring it all together you know I started by talking about my response to the suicide month my experience why i wanted to kill myself was because there was no correlation between what i was seeing in the future and where i was in the present god always brings us to a point wherein the future that he has for us is completely different to the present that we're experiencing so the glory that is awaiting the church is going to be completely different to the gory experiences that the church is about to have I'm not a prophet of doom, but I am telling you these things so that you're prepared. God forbid that I am one of those people who say only what people want to hear so they can feel good and give an offering and go home. It is my assignment as a watchman upon the tower to warn you of what is coming. If people had warned us as they should, ahead of 2020, we would have been better prepared. Many of our brothers and sisters whose hearts are gripped by fear today, who are living in constant fear of the, of the illusion and the deception of the system, would have been better prepared. They would have shaken themselves from the dust. They would have awoken unto righteousness. Even some of the people that were called to preach and teach because of the fear of what they would eat and what they would drink, they signed contracts with the devil for money and now they are lost in the same system. And that is the reason why it is now critical for us to speak the truth no matter what it sounds like i know that you came here sunday last week and i was telling you that the witnesses are going to be taken down even though i gave you a i gave you a disclaimer i said look not you as an individual you're not the witness 
it is the collective body of the church that makes the witness the collective assembly of the jews that make the witness and so it is our ministry and our assignment that is going to be taken down by the beast of the abyss okay let's just make that clear so that you're not afraid that one day you're just going to wake up and this beast is going to take you out no it is the assignment the office of the of the witnesses that is about to be taken down okay i told you that last week and i am today i was like well god if people show up today after all that scary message then i will know that you have truly called me and so i'm glad that y'all came as witnesses because look not everybody wants to go back to the same place when they're just telling you oh this and that why can't you just tell us for a moment how can how we can be promoted at work now which work some of what we are looking to progress in god is asking us to resist or to desist from some of the things that we're looking to grow in god is expecting us to come out of and so you're not going to come here and get five tips on how you can have an amazing week at work no unless the holy spirit shows that to me so i told you these five things my own personal story and the reason why i wanted to call it quit was because of the fact that it didn't match what i was in and where i was going to don't quit on god because what the church is experiencing today and what we're about to experience because there's an escalation in the realm of the spirit nebuchadnezzar and you know that the lord revealed nebuchadnezzar to me two months ago and i taught you about nebuchadnezzar and what nebuchadnezzar means how many people remember that message yeah if you have you haven't listened to it please just go let just go back three months and listen to everything because i don't know i don't remember the title of that one the Lord revealed to me Nebuchadnezzar and told me that Nebuchadnezzar is on the throne right now. Right? So Nebuchadnezzar is the one calling the shots. And we know who he is. I'm not going to mention his name on this platform. When you hear that message and you turn on the news, you will see Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar is here in human form. He wears suits and a tie. <laughs> Say that again. Oh yeah, because that is him. Is everything about this man's life is Nebu Kadnezer, and the Lord showed it to, showed it showed him to me. Now let me now say this: Nebu Kadnezer is the one calling the shots, but many people don't see him because they see another person on the throne. And I explained to you the meaning of his name. Nebuchadnezzar means the one that fights to protect the throne. So he's not the one on the throne; he's the one protecting the throne. All right. And so this man has called for the fire to be turned up. About a week ago, I went for days unable to sleep. And I know something is going on. Because when I can't sleep like that, I mean, I like to stay up late, you know. But when it's now like back to back, I'm like, okay, so what is this? I mean, this is not very convenient. So you might as well give me something worth my while. And that is how I pray. That is how I press into the courts of heaven. That is how I see the things that I see. The Bible says he knows who follows to know. You have to press in. They're not just showing it to everybody. The Bible says that it is the glory of God to conceal a thing. And it is the glory of kings to search it out. Not just to ask for it. You understand what I mean? You need to press and press in so when i can't sleep i begin to pray but it paid off this week there are things that i saw one of it i shared it with only with my mom one of the things that i saw 
this week, and I'm just going to tell you that as a side note, and I'm coming back to wrap up everything that I've been saying, is this. I saw a light. And the light was pointing to another light. And when I saw the light pointing to another light, I was like, okay, what's going on in here? And they said to me, follow the light. And you know, it is foolish not to follow the light because the ones who follow the light, the Bible called them wise men. Remember wise men from the east? They said, we have come to worship the king because we have seen his star from the east. And they followed the light. So I followed the light. And when I followed the light, I was like, wow. I didn't see a scroll this time around initially. But I heard a song that the angels were singing. If the Lord gives me the leading, I will release the song to you because I recorded it and I sent it to my mom. And, and for, I, don't even, I didn't know why until just now. And the Lord said to me just now, the reason why her in particular was because she was on her watch praying as well for the things that I had seen. And now it makes sense because her response to me was she sang back another song to me, which was almost like the second verse, if there was a second verse to the song that I sang to her. So she must have been somewhere where she saw very similar to what I saw. But the good news about that is this. Y'all are the light that is pointing to the other light. We will shine as the light, but Jesus is the ultimate light. As much as that is good news, it may not feel like good news the way this light works. Because this other light, you know what it is? It is the fire of Nebuchadnezzar. He has asked for the fire to be turned up. Remember when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace because they did not bow to the beast of Nebuchadnezzar. And remember that beast was 666. No, no, that beast was 66. It wasn't yet 666. It was 66, but this one is 666, right? But that of Nebuchadnezzar was 606. No, it was 66. So when you read Daniel chapter 3, you will see that number there hidden. Only seeing eyes can see it. But now that you see, when you go back there now, you will see that number 66. They didn't bow and they were thrown into the fire. Now let me say this. The reason why that was 66 was because the fire was a physical fire. The reason why this one is 666 because now this one enters the third dimension is a spiritual fire that is going to be felt mostly in the spirit by fear. And that is the reason why this epidemic is called the epidemic of fear. And I have stopped saying the word pandemic. I said with the leaders on Thursday, the Holy Spirit rebuked me very nicely. He rebuked me. He told me, he said, I didn't show you pandemic. I showed you epidemic. Because that was the word that came out of my mouth. The 11th of January, 2020. And the Lord said to me, I was looking in the vision. And there was this thing coming out of the TV. And the Lord said to me, there is a disease that is coming upon the earth. And it's an epidemic of fear. And behold, it's in the news. Right? Those who have an ear, let them hear what the Spirit of God is saying unto the churches. Thank you for tuning in and we pray this podcast has blessed you today. For more information about this church, check out www.communion.house. That's www.communion.house. Or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Communion House. Hungry for more life-giving content? Head over to Communion House on YouTube for a full catalogue, live and on demand. We're honoured to have your audience. 
Wherever you're tuning in from, thank you and God bless you today.